this is Monroe Stone. I'm from Stowe, Ohio. And you're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how you doing? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet before we Oh, listen, Laverne, it's shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour. It is the Barbecue Central Show. Where we talk about only the most important items that are going on in the world of live fire since last week. The show originating from... Palm City, USA. Cleveland. Still to come on the show this evening in about 13 minutes from now. Susie and Todd Bullock from Hey Grill Hey. And coming out of the bullpen tonight from Suckle Busters, Seasoning Sauces, Chili Mixes. There might be a... Oh, whoa. What do they call it? A dip? Salsa? I think that's what it is. Uh, Dan Ark. Longtime friend of the show. So we'll be catching up with him. Uh, We say good evening to those of you watching this show tonight through one of our video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook and or Twitch slash BBQ Central Show to watch also. You can take the show in via YouTube slash R.D. Brempe. We also say good evening to the folks using our audio streaming platform, Clubhouse. So if you'd rather hear us and not watch us, you can do it in the Clubhouse. And there are chats available as well, both in Clubhouse and on YouTube. So if you would like to take a run at one or both of those, where sometimes they talk about the show and other times they do not talk about anything that has to do with the show, there is a poll up in the YouTube room asking if you are a trusser or not. And 70% of you said you are not a trusser. You are not. Andrew, you are not a trusser. Right. Uh, Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, episode 255, taking you back to 2012, and this time we feature a barbecue legend, somebody that I originally did a podcast with back when the show wasn't live, so that would be 2006 to pre-2008, of uh, February 2008, when the show went live. A guy who created something called the Fast Eddie Cooker, or the FEC, as a lot of people know it, Ed Morin. In this particular cut, Ed and I spent time talking about the Jack Daniels barbecue competition and why there continues to be such a reverence, a mystique, a romance, some would say. Such a preference given when I ask pitmasters about their thoughts on this event as well. I think about the Royal, and I have always considered the American Royal to be the real elite contest because there's no restriction or anyone being left out or sitting on the sideline. If you won your qualifying 
competition, you get an invite to show up to the American Royal Invitational that year and go against all the other winners. And whoever wins that, in my opinion, is the elite competition cook, my opinion. However, that's not the case on the Jack. Many teams that are having wonderful years, but maybe they didn't auto in with seven under their specified time frame, don't get to go, or they won more than a handful of times, but in their state, they also have a tremendous amount of barbecue competitions, and they don't end up getting their name called when they do the Jack drawings. So maybe that's what makes it more special to the pitmasters. But everybody I've talked to that has won a American Royal and asked, can you compare or contrast, or if would you trade away the Royal win for a Jack win? Most of them say they would. And nobody that I have asked that has won the Jack Daniels has said, yeah, I would trade away the Jack to win the American Royal Invitational. So that speaks volumes. Um, Fast Eddie, by the way, has introduced a new line of barbecue pellets to the market. So if you're looking for a new line of pellets to put in your pellet-driven cooker, you go to grillandpellets.com, I believe, is the website that he's got up there. So Eddie's always been a great guest. Eddie was a big believer. You know, this was you know almost 10 years. Well, 10 years ago. It was 2012. Listen to how good Eddie sounds. He was real big into technology back then, as he is now. So he sounds absolutely superior long before I started mandating that everybody sounds top-notch. Uh, Eddie was sounding great 10 years ago. So I think you'll enjoy the best moments coming up this week. And don't forget, if you want to hear a guest or a segment again that might be lost in the archives, email John. He puts the show together, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com and he will do his best to meet your show expectation. Still to come in November uh, in November for upcoming shows. You know it. You love it. You're excited about it. The $200 Pepper Mill Challenge. That's right. In my hand, I will have a $200 Pepper Mill, and taking part with me, Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy, in his hand, he will have a competing $200 pepper mill and we will put those pepper mills through their paces now you might be asking yourself how many paces can you put through a pepper mill plenty we have been game planning for months and months to really figure out and give our unbiased opinion on which 200 dollar pepper mill you should be buying this holiday season and i'm sure most of you are like i'm not buying 200 dollar pepper mill well, after seeing our $200 pepper mill challenge, you might think differently. It could be the pepper cannon, which I will be championing, or it could be the electric black rain that Dr. Barbecue is going to be championing. And stay tuned for that. It's going to be one for the ages, I believe is what they say. Also coming up in November, Chris Lilly will be stopping by. Noah Glanville from Pit Barrel Cooker is going to be stopping by. Derek Riches, the bristly barbecue journalist, is in. The Embedded Correspondents will also be stopping by on the fourth Tuesday in the second hour where we will be giving you our 100% honest opinions. Well, we know what Rusty's opinion is on this, but the other three, me included, haven't really eaten them in any recollectable amount of time. Recollectable is not a word, by the way. 
We're doing the full McRib breakdown because it's the farewell tour. You will never be able to get a McRib. And I threw down the gauntlet to those guys last month and said, whether you like it or not, and Rusty likes it, eat at least one McRib so we can talk about it in an educated way on the next Embedded Correspondence. Now, the thing that is hanging in the balance right now, the other mandate that I threw down aside for the McRib was Beyond Meat last month had just talked about releasing the steak. I believe it's sirloin tips, so these are chunked meat. It's not a steak form Beyond Meat. I have no luck locating the Beyond Meat steak tips, so I think that review was in jeopardy. I've corresponded with both Rusty and Doug. They have both said they have had zero success in locating them as well, so I don't think it's rolled out as quickly as I might have thought. That might get pushed out into December or January of 2023, so we'll have to see about that. But rest assured, you'll be getting the full McRib breakdown, so if you haven't had one in a while and you want to weigh in, make sure that you eat one within the next couple weeks because on the fourth Tuesday, we're going to be breaking it all down and giving our opinions on it. Last week at the close of the show, I was talking to R.T. Custer, one of the co-founders of Vortec Watch out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And we were talking specifically, aside from the history of the company, about the military edition watches that they were releasing on Veterans Day, which was on the 11th this past Friday. So remember, there was the standard military edition. There were 50 of those pieces. And then they were also releasing a special edition military watch which had 15.15 units available for sale. So I talked with RT last night late. He said there's roughly half of the standard military, so let's call that 24.25. And uh, just as of a couple hours ago, there are two special edition watches that are remaining. Again, price points on those standard military edition, eight grand, and the special edition military watch, 12 grand. So while a lot of you are like, whoa, no way am I spending that kind of money on a watch uh, for the folks that either are connected in some way to the Master Navigator watch that we were talking about that is featured in that military edition, that might be a stronger pull to you. Or if you're just a micro brand watch guy or gal and you understand what goes into all this stuff, uh, seven or 12 grand might not seem that big of a reach for you and you know, you'd spend twelve grand on a Rolex anyway, what have you. So uh, very, very limited edition of the limited editions available. Again, two at last count, but those could be sold out by now. And roughly half of the standard military editions are left. So vorticwatch.com slash military to purchase if you are so inclined. All right, uh, Susie and Todd Bullock are in the green room. They are ready to rock and roll, so we will get with them here in just one second. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. 
Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Currently available in three sizes with a host of accessories. If you're a beginner, if you're a professional, doesn't matter. Definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them Barbecue Central Show sent you. Leading off the second hour, joining me for their final quarterly visit for the year of 2022 is the creator of Hey Grill Hey, one of the most recognizable and popular names in live fire space. We race to the hotline and welcome back our pals, Susie and Todd Bullock. So last time you guys were on the show, you had just launched two, count them, two new products. Now that we've had a little time away from that, how are they being received into the market? Oh, good. So it took a couple months longer than we thought. Everything is still kind of catching up on some production and things. But as they started to catch up, our team decided last minute to throw out another new product. And we like, how many was it? Two weeks after we launched the rib rub and the mustard sauce. We launched a turkey kit for Thanksgiving, which included the brine bag and the brine itself, a barbecue rub, like a turkey rub, and a cranberry glaze. And we sold out of those in a week. (laughs) And now they're gone. Was that a shock? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, we've we never done anything in a specific like bundled set before. It was kind of, you know, unless you were like buy all five products and we kind of offer a discount for that on our site. But uh, yeah, we wanted to put together something that was kind of an easy button for people, especially around the holidays. Uh, you know, turkey is not very difficult to smoke necessarily, but if you're only doing it once a year, and it's a bigger cut of meat. It, it can be intimidating. It's usually for a family gathering. You want to have that beautiful Norman Rockwell moment and you want to have the perfect holiday turkey and you want to show everybody uh, what you get to pull off of your smoker. And that takes a little bit of work and usually adds a lot of stress. So we wanted to make that as easy as possible. Um, we thought we'd do the first run with like maybe 250 of these kits because we didn't know anything about the manufacturing process, the timelines, how it would sell about a week before we hit the order button on, you know, we did like custom printed boxes and and the brine bags are really cool. And before we hit the order button, Todd's like, you know, we should do 500. And I was like, I, I don't think that that's a very good idea. I don't think we'll sell them that quickly because we've never done this before. And isn't that usually the like, opposite well, way you guys work? Isn't Todd <laughs> the one telling you that's a bad idea? <laughs> yes. And so, uh, which is, Maybe he should, I don't know. We should listen to Todd Todd's more smart, often. no doubt. Um, the night before he changed his mind and didn't tell me, ordered a thousand of everything <laughs> and then told me after the fact and was like, I, I ordered a thousand. Um, so I was panicked. I'm like, we're going to be selling turkey kits for 4th of July. Like I just thought <laughs> my foresee- foreseeable future is just me trying to offload these turkey kits throughout the remainder of the year. But uh, yeah, we, we pushed go Todd and I were actually out of town. Um, and we were just flabbergasted at the response. Um, you know, I think we found a little piece in the market where people were just excited to, to have something unique and different. None of the products you can get any other time of year. They're specifically for smoked Turkey. They're not, it's not like we're using our other products and calling them a Turkey product. Like we specifically developed these 
for Turkey. Uh, and every time we tested them, we fed them to our team. We fed them to our kids. Everything we got back was, this is the best turkey I've ever had. Hmm. And that became our new standard. Now I'm not putting anything out unless it's the best thing you've ever had. And it's really stressful because it means a lot of work. <laughs> well, instant feedback from somebody watching the show. Uh, Dan Wright says, these kits are outstanding. Yeah. Made a turkey with one Saturday. So there's you know, one positive feedback of obviously... Well, the feedback that we've been getting from people that have been cooking with them has been phenomenal. So we're so excited for everybody that has one that's saving it for Thanksgiving. Um, next year, Todd gets to order as many as he wants yeah. <laughs> for bringing them back next year. So it's not... The concept isn't anything new. It's brine. There's a bag. You have some, you know, seasonings, the, the uh, glaze that you were talking about. I mean, what makes it... What's making it great? Uh, I think all of it together is what makes it really unique in the way that every flavor is designed to complement each other, but it's not an identical match of anything else. So the apple spice brine is, you know, a pretty unique flavor profile. It's brined in some apple juice, so it has a little bit of sweetness. Um, the, the rub is kind of this awesome mashup between a classic barbecue rub and a very traditional herby turkey seasoning. Mm. Uh, so you open, you open these packages and it smells like Thanksgiving. Um, the cranberry glaze was probably actually the hardest to develop. And, you know, you don't see a lot of glazed turkeys because people want either the crispy skin or they're worried about rubbery skin. So we nailed down a really amazing glaze that makes your cranberries or sorry, the cranberry in the glaze makes the turkeys like this beautiful, red, shiny, shimmery, like just absolutely fantastic to look at. And then the added perk is, you know, our main business. Yes, we have rubs and sauces. And, and but the reason that all of this started is because I love to teach people how to make better barbecue. And so if you scan the QR code on the box or any of the products, it takes you to a video where I literally show you step-by-step step exactly how to use the turkey kit. Hmm. And if you follow every single step, you will have a fantastic uh, Thanksgiving turkey. We wanted to make it as foolproof as possible and really deliver flavors that are a little bit unique, but delicious more than anything. So obviously, I mean, Susie, you're a fan of turkey in general, not just for Thanksgiving. You an eater? Yeah, and we Todd? eat turkey all year long. Oh, yeah. Yeah, around around Christmas time, this company called Norbest puts out these. They call them sweetheart roasts, and they're frozen in this like plastic congealed pack together. So you have to buy them frozen. But so I and the only time they're on the market is right now. <laughs> so I'll usually buy six to eight of them and put them in the freezer, and then just slowly eat them, all, just like restaurant style smoked turkey breast, and they're fantastic. So. Yeah, we love turkey. I was talking with Meathead last week. We had uh, talked about trusting. By the way, my poll question right now is sitting at 73% of people say they do not trust birds. Um, I don't understand it myself. Um, are you uh, are you guys trussers? The biggest question that we get not necessarily trussing is spatchcocking. Uh, people want to know, is it better to flatten the bird or cook it whole? Um, if we're cooking a whole bird... I will usually just use the included truss that comes with the turkey with the little plastic feet that tuck in there. Yeah. Um, but I do tuck my wing tips and that's not something that I see everybody do, but I am a big fan of the wing tip tuck where you just take those little ends and tuck them right behind that shoulder joint. Uh, prevents the smoke from getting 
all the way evenly across the breast. A lot of times it can inhibit your seasoning too if you leave them out. And they tend to get a little bit dark during the cooking process and, and can kind of open up to the side and look a little bit funky. So I tuck my wing tips. I told Meathead. But that's about all I do in terms of trussing. Let's just, uh, so he was real big on, oh, you know, and you had mentioned it too, but crispy skin. People want this crispy skin. Obviously, if you're doing it low and slow, you have some potential issues there getting crispy skin. And I said, well, hey, how about this? Just rip the skin right off of that, <laughs> number one. Save it. Don't throw it out. And then, you know, use some kind of a binder on now the naked turkey meat. Put your rub on it. Now the rub's right on the meat. Cook it that way. A lot of people cook skinless chicken of various forms, fashions, yeah. and cuts and so forth. You know, do it like that. Uh, I'm a big spatchcock guy, so I'd cut the backbone out, lay it down, do all that stuff. And then figure out a way to maybe do some kind of a competition thing with the skin. So, you know, turn it over, take your fillet knife, scrape out any ridiculous amounts of fat. Just lay it out and put it in the oven and bake it like a big turkey potato skin chip, chip. or something, <laughs> or break it up and like put it in your mashed potatoes with the gravy on top of it. I mean, if we're just throwing it all out the window anyway on Thanksgiving, why not add a little crispy turkey skin to your mashed potatoes? Um, are you down with that or do you have any other outside of the box techniques to work with? I do. So, uh, yeah, we hear rubbery turkey skin, rubbery turkey skin, especially if it's smoked. And a lot of times that was kind of accepted as like, that's just an unavoidable casualty of a low and slow smoked turkey. Um, I've actually been working on this for the last year, and it sounds stupid to say that I've been working on it because it's the dumbest and easiest thing ever. So it's not like, wow, she's so smart. Not working on it, just um, making sure that but it works. But testing it to make sure that it actually works. Uh, but it is kind of that competition style, not in the way that we peel it and scrape it, because that sounds like too much work for my lazy butt. Uh, what we do is during the cooking process, we keep spritzing that skin when we're smoking low and slow at 225 with a cooking fat, uh, mm -hmm. either duck fat spray. I like to use avocado oil. You can spritz with olive oil. Um, this isn't uh, based necessarily where it's like the turkey juices and fat. And it's not a, um, you don't want to use your basting brush and drag anything across the top because that'll, you know, mess up your beautiful seasoning that you've got on there. But every 30 to 45 minutes, a light, light coating with cooking oil or when you see that turkey skin start to dry out, um, it's different than adding just liquid like water or juice or anything like that because that evaporates really quickly. But the fat creates a barrier between the smoke and the skin itself. So at that low and slow temperature, it really allows the fat underneath to render properly. So it cooks the fat out that makes things really chewy. It prevents that top layer of skin from drying too much and becoming leathery. And uh, it gives you a really great color on the outside of your turkey. So that's, it really is like, oh, she's like the stupidest thing. Um, but yeah, every 30 to 45 minutes, a nice spritz with uh, a spray cooking oil and you will have, it's not crispy skin. Mm. You're, you're not going to get crispy skin at 225. Um, but it'll give you a beautiful bite through skin. So it's very, very edible. You get all of the seasoning that's on the outside of your turkey skin. You get all of the flavor of that smoke that develops over, you know, that whole entire low and slow smoking process. And, uh, it has a really great bite through texture. And we've been doing that on our turkey breasts. We're doing that on our whole turkeys. And it's turned out great time after time after time. 
Yeah, the turkey breast that we take the skin off. We, when we do the turkey breast, we do cut, we do trim the skin off completely. Um, we were finding that if we didn't spritz, you get this kind of hard outer shell <laughs> that's almost hard to like chew. You end up like tearing it off and just eating, and then that's yeah. all the seasoning. So when we were spraying it with this avocado oil, it really did like with the skinless part, it helped that not to happen. So it's a great option either way. Susie and Todd Bullock joining us here from Hay Grill Hay, the website haygrillhay.com. If you're looking for recipes or cooking techniques, barbecue stuff, all that good information is over there on that website. For the folks that are turkey believers, lovers, even ones that will sit through it, they're not even going to have, what are the best alternative proteins that you're going to recommend this year? Um, Brisket. <laughs> Todd will recommend brisket for every meal always until he dies. Uh, you know, you see a lot of prime rib around the holidays. I think that's a great option. Um, prices tend to come down because volume goes up. Mm. I don't know if that'll be the case this year. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, if you're doing a smaller crowd, I think pork tenderloins are lovely because it acts as a pretty neutral base. So you can add whatever type of flavors you want to add. If you want to go with a really traditional, you know, you can do a garlic and herb rub and grill it or smoke it and it'll taste beautiful alongside whatever other type of Thanksgiving meats you want to have. If you have a bigger party, I have a, I have a, a crown roast of pork on my website mm. that is beautiful. It has the French bones coming off of the top and it's this nice, lovely, medium rare pinkish around the middle. And it's essentially the ribeye roast of your pig. And it's very juicy, very delicious. So that's always a fun one. We like to bust that one out come holiday time. Um, and ham. I mean, my kids are like, <laughs> my kids, I think they've had 12 turkeys already this year. It's one of our <laughs> occupational hazards. By the time Thanksgiving comes, we're like, we did it. We've done it. We've had the turkey. Yes, we love turkey. Um, but my kids are like, no, we're good as long as there's a ham. <laughs> so we usually have a turkey and a ham on our Thanksgiving table. What are your favorite side dishes? Oh, classics. Um, stuffing, but it's got to be like good stuffing with stuff in it, like sausage and dried cranberries. And I like chunked up apples in my stuffing and lots of herbs and butter. Uh, what's your favorite side, Todd? Oh man, I, I don't know. Sweet potato I, casserole. That sweet potato casserole you make is incredible. But I, you know, we got to, you got to get the rolls, right? Rolls are a huge part. If you don't bake the rolls and they're amazing, get them off the table. Don't, don't go buy rolls. I am not the roll baker. That's usually <laughs> like a sister-in-law's job that has more patience for baking than I do. But I think my sleeper one is honestly green bean casserole. <laughs> I love it with the crunchy onions on top, mushrooms. Is Thanksgiving the red velvet cake face-off, or am I getting my contests or, or cakes mixed oh, up between you guys? that's, yeah, that's birthdays usually oh, right, is right. when we hit the red velvet cake. Yeah, that's our daughter's October birthday. Birthdays. Close yep. to Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right, so let's switch it up a little bit. We've covered Thanksgiving uh, well enough, and if people need more info, again, the website, heygrillhay.com. A few weeks back, I have yep. this fellow by the name of Cade Huskinson on from Camp Chef. And for the first time, we are talking about the Woodwind Pro that brings an elevated smoke profile to their line of pellet cookers. Because the 
one refrain since the dawn of forever when Joe Traeger created pellet cookers is it works great. It's easy. Set and forget. I don't know if the wood smoke flavor is enough. That continues to be like the thorn in the side of pellet cookers. Unless you're somebody who doesn't like a heavy smoke profile, then it's like a godsend. So you're someone who has had firsthand experience on it. I've seen you on some promo videos talking about the Woodwind Pro. So how do you rate it? You know, honest. It's just us gals talking here. So what do you think really separates this from whatever else uh, Camp Chef is making? Uh, I cooked on it today, actually, and I think you're right. If you are a person that wants a heavier smoke profile, this gives you the opportunity to build and build and build and add and add and add in a way that you can't do by just picking a different type of pellet. Um, because the way that combustion happens is very different when you're utilizing larger pieces of wood versus broken down compressed pellets. The moisture content is completely different. The way that they burn is completely different. Um, and so by burning these larger pieces of wood chunks or even charcoal, you can change the flavor profile of the stuff that you're cooking on. Uh, I did smoke fried wings tonight. And anytime you're frying, you actually lose quite a bit of the smoke flavor. It leaches into the oil. Um, and so I, I knew I wanted a really robust smoke on the wings before mm -hmm. I popped them into the deep fryer. And so I leaned heavy into the Woodwind Pro and I made that choice conscientiously knowing I want a heavier smoke profile. And that's something that I can build into a cook on a Woodwind Pro that I couldn't on other, you know, pellet grills by just utilizing a different type of pellet or even a smoke tube, which again is more pellets. Um, it's a different type of burn, but it's still the same uh, material. So the Woodwind Pro gives you an opportunity to utilize a different type of wood, a different type of material to create a different type of combustion, a different flavor of smoke. Um, so I don't know. I think it's I think it's a great middle ground where you get the ease of the pellet smoker and you can use it and run it pellets only if that's what you like. Uh, but it gives you the opportunity to to have that level of control that you could get from you know, a, a different type of smoker. Todd's biggest challenge is he, his next cook on it is he wants to do a brisket and do a Texas style brisket. Cause we did when Camp Chef was getting ready to launch it. Um, there were three of us that cooked briskets on there. I did one that ran hot and fast. We had a couple guys that ran a real like Texas style brisket overnight and turned out some really beautiful, delicious briskets with great bark. And so I think that's uh, Todd's next challenge when he fires up the Woodwind Pro next. Yeah, I, I love pellet grilled brisket. Don't get me wrong, but just offset or really nice barrel cooked brisket or drum smoker cooked brisket. I mean, there's nothing or Kamado. I'll throw that in there, too. The, the, I don't know what it is. Just the flavor is just <laughs> completely different and better, in my opinion. Um, but this is really, like she said, it kind of bridges it. It's a middle ground to where... If you did just a pellet grill brisket and you did a woodwind pro brisket and continually fed it wood chunks and charcoal, it would be, it's an obvious difference. Like <laughs> obvious. It's not all the way amazing, like offset, but it is, it just pulls it more that way. If that makes sense. I'm going to build 2023 as the year full size electric grills are going to come into prominence. There's two available right now. There's others that are getting ready to release something into the market segment over the next handful of months or whatever. 
your thoughts on the potential success of full-sized electric grills as folks that have had their finger on the pulse of this market for some time now? I think a lot of it is, you know, I mean, you're going to see a little bit of a learning curve, I think. And, you know, marketing has to step into the space to where they, they can put marketing dollars to educate people about what it is and why they should buy one and why they should have one on their back patios. Uh, you know, you could see that with the pellet grills, it took a bucket load of years to really grow, you know, into the mainstream backyard space. I think anytime you're introducing a, not, I mean, electric girls aren't necessarily a completely new category, but they have been reserved for tailgating travel, um, you know, smaller patios, apartment living. So to have electric girls step into the full size backyard space, I think it's going to take some marketing dollars and I think it's going to take you know, so, uh, uh, some real salesmanship mm. to tell a consumer why this is the preference. When you have a budget to spend on a full-size grill, why would you go that direction? Um, I think it's interesting. I think it's anytime uh, innovation happens in the space and it, it perks up more people to the idea of cooking in their backyards because maybe electric grills can interest people that haven't previously been interested by gas, charcoal, or pellets. Uh, maybe that feels a little bit too out there still, but electric feels like that could be a step for me mm -hmm. to enter this space. Fantastic. I will be waiting there with recipes um, for when you decide to, to start cooking in the backyard to feed your family. That's, that's so great. I don't really care what you cook on. That's kind of always been our thing. Uh, if you know how to turn it on and get it to temperature, I'll, I'll give you a recipe to cook on it. So it'll be interesting to see how much of the market share they, they start to, uh, take over with this new category. Here's what you need to know. If you want recipes, as Susie had mentioned, if you need last-second help for Thanksgiving, you go to HeyGrillHey.com. You can also join Facebook groups. You can uh, follow them on social, get all this updated information as it's happening. And hopefully in 2023, you can continue to see them for quarterly visits here on the Barbecue Central Show. But we'll work out uh, rates and uh, private jet flights and all this other <laughs> stuff like we had to do this sure, year, so no problem. Sure, I know. It's getting so difficult. I know, I know. We've got to at least double it. At least double it. All right, well, well, we'll get our agents involved, and boy, it's going to be great. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate I appreciate uh, the last couple of years of you guys showing up every quarter and having these uh, talks and giving all the information out to the listeners. I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving, and we will see you again in 2023. You too. Thanks, Thanks Greg. Greg. All right. There they are. Susie and Todd Bullock, Hey Grill Hey, the website heygrillhay.com. So go ahead and make sure that you are headed over there if you have any last-second questions or you're looking for new techniques on how to do those turkeys or barbecue questions in general. Great resource. Make sure you're taking advantage of it. Dan Arnold from Suckle Busters is in the green room, and he's getting ready to go. I'll talk to you quickly about my guy David McDowell over at David Leans and the Do Wellness Program. Well, lo and behold, we are at week 20. Yes. What does week 20 mean? It means that after a week or a week and a half of weight stability, because remember, we're on the build now. We've tacked on two pounds. Yes, sir. 
So now at 173, we are 12 pounds away from the goal of 185, but putting it on in the right way, eating it in the right way, making sure we're hitting the workouts. And multiple times during the week, I'm checking in with David asking about can I substitute this? Can I substitute that? Let's make a change in this weight program. Let's make a change in that weight program. What if I miss this day? I'm going to be out of town. This is the type of accountability that is helping me, A, drop it off. Remember, went all the way down to 165, if you can believe it. Uh-oh. And now we're building the muscle back on for a goal of 185. Uh, you can do it too. Tired of feeling sloth-like? Think you're eating too much? Not making the best choices? A, you got to commit to change. And then B, always easy when you have accountability or easier when you have accountability. David is that accountability and he's totally reachable and ready to put a product and a position that works best for you. DavidLeans.com slash BBQ. That's DavidLeans.com slash BBQ to sign up right now. Tell them I told you. And remember, you're somebody that's just like me. At week 20 now, there's a cat right there. There's a cat. Hi. Hi, cat. You smell like fast food. Sweaties. Oh, God. Anyway, DavidLeans.com. That's DavidLeans.com. Start now because you will have had a number of weeks before the year turns. Don't say you're going to do this New Year's resolution. Forget that. Start now, and then by the time the New Year's rolls around, you're already into the new lifestyle. All right, we're back with Dan Arnold right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. And we thank Susie and Todd Bullock for joining us last night. But this portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. The popular Smoking with Smithfield grant program applications are currently live at smokingwithsmithfield.com. In order to help deepen prize pools, Smithfield is once again awarding $3,000 to selected competitions. Applications are open until December 3rd, so you got a couple weeks left. Also, the Committed Cooks program is happening once again in 2023. Looking for teams to commit to using Smithfield pro- uh, products during 2023. Participating teams receive a swag bag, coupon kits, surprises throughout the season. Same website to sign up, smokinwithsmithfield.com. Helping me close the show tonight is someone who has been very successful in the rubs, seasonings, and sauce industry. He has been a long-time business person in this industry. I was listening to my favorite baseball and barbecue or BBQ-related podcast hosted by Len Aberman and Jeff Cohen, and they had this guy on the show, and out of nowhere, he mentions this show, the Barbecue Central show, and I thought it was about high time. We circle up and see what's been happening over the last 10 years or so. Ever heard of Suckle Busters? Yeah, of course you have. If you're a fan of Live Fire, you most certainly have. We race to the hotline and welcome back the founder of Suckle Busters, Dan Arnold, is back on the show. Hey, Dan. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. 
How's it going, Greg? Well, for the new listeners and first-timers checking out the show tonight, maybe they're planning on getting a cooker for the holiday season or they hit the Powerball a couple weeks ago and they have a fresh $600 million cash payout after tax that they're looking to burn through their holes and pockets and so forth and they're going to get a cooker. Give us the high-level introduction to Dan Arnold and Suckle Busters. Hey, thanks a lot. First, I got to say it is true. I mean, uh, years and years ago when we got started, Greg, we were just running barbecue forums on the internet. And um, Can you believe that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I had this crazy idea to start a barbecue rub company. I, I really truly thought I was going to get rich overnight, uh, which didn't happen. But uh, nevertheless, we I stuck with it. One of the key things that happened when we got started was Barbecue Central allowed me a platform to come out and talk about our products. And and you gave us an opportunity. And I just think you've always had that quality about uh, you and the show is just openness, you know, to be more inclusive. And uh, you gave us a shot and it really did help out. So here's to you. It, it was awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. I was a big, I'm still a yeah. big fan of uh, Suckle Busters, and you're a lot easier to find as you're in retailers all over the country. I forget where you're at last count, 700 or, or 900 plus stores uh, across the, the globe and whatnot. Yeah, so uh, we've grown quite a bit. We're in about 3,000 stores across the U.S., and then we have 15 countries that we ship to currently. So it's grown quite a bit. When you look back at the beginning days, uh, as you said, we were, I mean, we were literally running barbecue forums. So, you know, for those yeah. that have no idea what that is, you know, back in, I think I started mine in 2003 or 2004, whatever it was. And this was a place you just go on the internet and you would post a question about something barbecue related. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too time pressing because depending on how or how not heavily trafficked your forum was, you might not get an answer directly, but the heavier trafficked ones had people checking in all the time. So you could post, what do I do if I'm hitting the stall or what rub should I use on this? And you have 20 different answers. And that's how people were getting their barbecue information uh, tossed along yeah, was sure. through barbecue forums. And you started uh, the Texas barbecue forum. I was running barbecue central forum and and as you said, you got into the rub stuff. So when you decided to get into the rub business, and this was a long time ago. This isn't now where everybody seems like they're coming out with rubs. Like, What was the, the impetus to, to do something like that? Well, honestly, it was just a, a little bit of a whim. I mean, I'd always barbecued and cooked. And, you know, you always have your favorite rub in the cupboard in a jar uh, with your name on it, right? And you'll bring it out and cook and kind of show it off or whatever, but I always had that rub. And just one day, my wife and I, we were grocery shopping and we were looking at everything in the aisles. This is mid 2000s. And it just dawned upon us that we could make products that were better than the ones we were able to buy at the grocery store or at any retail store. And so uh, my wife made an offhand comment and she said, why don't you just bottle yours? And I was like, oh yeah, I'll do that. Um, and we just went on about our trip. You know, I didn't think anything else about it, but the next day I woke up and I was just like, wow, I could do that. And, uh, so I did. So I bottled up a rub and there took off from there. We just started with a bottle and literally right here in this office started making labels and putting products and bottles and trying to sell it. How many years ago was that now, Dan? That was 06. So, 
Wow, 16 years? This place. Yeah, yeah. And, wow. you know, back, you made a point. There was It was very, very different back then. There were just not a lot of people doing it back then. There were some really big names um, that had been around for a long time, especially down here in Texas, but there just there really weren't that many people doing what I was trying to do at the time, which was start up. Would you get into the rub business now? I mean, it's always easy for me to ask because you see where this whole industry has evolved. But if you didn't know that, is it more of a, I have something I think that can stand above and head and shoulders above what's out there, or I can get above the noise? Yeah, that's a tough one. I would encourage people, if you if you think you have something you want to do, go for it. Because this, for me, has evolved from something I did as a side business to a full-time gig, how I feed my family, we have employees, and it's how we pay the bills. So it can happen, and it can happen for anyone if you're just determined enough and you stick with it and you just keep, you know, keep on moving through. What so, been, yeah, I would say get into it, go for it. What have been the biggest do your best. breaks that have happened for you? Or what have been the biggest, not hurdles to clear, but as you look back over 16 years, there had to have been some pinnacle moments through that time that sent suckle busters to that next level. And then again, to that next level. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what happened when we got in is I created a rub and it was sort of popular. Okay. And so I learned very quickly that not every rub is for every consumer. So you're going to have to have multiple rubs. So we started producing a couple more rubs, but then, uh, uh, along there, we started thinking about barbecue sauce and I had this barbecue sauce recipe that I'd been cooking for years and years and years. I just love the sauce. And so I thought we're going to do sauce and, and we did, and we bottled it and we put it out in the very first year that we put it out, I entered it in the American Royal and we took away first place <laughs> and literally had to scrape me off the floor. I, I just couldn't believe it. It was just amazing. That really just propelled us kind of to the next level and gave us some legs to stand on. And, you know, winning, um, you know, at the American Royal is just awesome. So it, it really helped us go to the next level. As you start to make plans to grow how do you grow is it you know back in 20 2006 there was a lot of i mean i knew a lot of guys that wanted to get into the rub business uh, that were on the forum and they would get a bottle they get a label uh, they had a pretty good recipe but they only thought it was going to happen on the internet they were going to make their riches solely through sales oh, yeah. on the internet. And I think a lot of people thought that's how it was going to happen. But the more folks that I talked to, it, that was going to be a part of it, but you were also going to actually have to go out and make calls and get brick and mortar and get distribution. It's not solely going to be online. How quickly did you learn that lesson? Well, pretty quickly. Uh, the first rub we brought out was called Texas gold dust and we put it out there and I, I can't, I mean, exactly what you said. I thought, hey, I'm going to put this thing out there and it's just going to explode and we're not going to have enough product to fill orders. And the opposite happened. We <laughs> we just, you know, we, we would sit around and wait for orders to come in. So I really quickly figured out that, A, you're going to have to move people through your website for traffic. So you got to start working on those plans. But B, you're going to have to get it to the stores because that's where the consumers are at mm -hmm. in those days, especially. And so pretty quickly we figured out, hey, you got to go retail. You got to go get it in the stores. 
Were there any coaches or mentors along the way that helped you hone oh. a pitch, or is it just school of hard knocks? You figure out what doesn't work and say, okay, I'm not going to do that again uh, and try something else. Yeah, all of the above. Do you know Dave? Dave's insanity sauce. You yeah, know, you know yeah, Dave of or course. Never spoke with him. Yeah, yeah. So um, he was an early mentor, and he he was awesome. He was just like an open book. He really helped me in some areas because we were trying to kind of mentor or um, kind of like mirror what was happening in the hot sauce industry with the barbecue rubs and sauces, right? Because hot sauces were very popular yeah. and they were very available. Um, so I, I was talking to him one day, and he goes, "You know, if I could give you one piece of advice, Dan, it's this." There are a lot of good hot sauces on the market. What you need to focus on is making a really great sauce. <laughs> and it sounds so simple, but it's very, very difficult to do. There, and today, it's still true. There are tons and tons of good rubs and good sauces on the market, but the really great ones are the ones that are successful. When you look, so that's been true. When you look at all through the years, sauces or rubs that aren't yours. Who would you go buy with your own money? Oh, geez. There's tons of great rubs out there. I mean, I, I really like, um, you know, I, I really like some of the ones that um, I kind of grew up on. Some of the older names like OBQ and John Henry's. Those guys are ones that have been around forever and they have really, really great products. You know, Mark Lambert, Sweet Swine of Mine, um, Sterling Smith at Loot and Booty. Um, you know, Heath Riles, he does a really good, uh, product and, and so does Malcolm. So the names that you see in the stores, they're there for a reason. As you're building the portfolio of products, how do you go about figuring maybe this one was a, a winner for X amount of time as you're tracking numbers, maybe it's starting to tail for whatever reason, do you have a products in the hopper ready to start taking the place or uh, ready to start dipping your toe in the water with those as one start to tail and then when do you figure these are ones we have to call uh, either for good or for yeah. now yeah yeah do you have a to-do list <laughs> oh yes all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah my to-do list is a list of rubs that i want to make you know they're concepts right mm -hmm. and i have a list a mile long so there's no uh, you know, I have plenty of ideas. I have plenty of concepts to bring to market, but back to the other side, what we have to do is we kind of have to filter out the ones that aren't working through the market for whatever reason. And whether it's a dip or just over time and haven't performed, you need to cut loose on those recipes and move on and then backfill it with a new recipe. And so we do that periodically. You know, we dropped some recipes this year. We added some new, one, some new ones on, and then we have more that we'll bring out next year. Early on when you were having to make those decisions, did you ever get in your own way where you were a little hard-headed oh, yeah. or there was a little ego going, hey, I know this is the bomb, but nobody seems to be picking up. I'm just going to continue to press until everybody comes around to my idea. Yeah, Texas Gold Dust was that one for me. And we still <laughs> make the product today, but it was so loaded with cumin and uh, chili powder that just half the people that tried it were offended by it. The other half loved it. So <laughs> it's been a good performer, but it's never been a rock star that I thought it was going to be when I first introduced it. And on the other side of that, by the way, uh, one rub that has been a rock star for us is SPG. I had the concept of SPG 
in my pocket for five years before I ever produced it. And I just decided I'm not going to produce it because it's way too simple, right? Everybody knows what SPG is. It'll never sell. We put the product out and we couldn't make it fast enough. It just took off. And now, you know, everybody has an SPG. So sometimes you can get in your way, you know, your own way. You just have to try things and see what works and, uh, you know, be willing to cut loose and move on and try new things. As you look over the lifespan of the company, what are the best-selling products? Yeah, so we look at it in terms of proteins. And uh, so we have a chicken rub called Clucker Dust. That's our, probably our number one seller. We have an all-purpose SPG, which I mentioned. We have our 1836 Texas beef rub. And then we have our pork rub called Hogwaller. Those are our top five, uh, top four recipes across the board for rubs. Mm. And, and they're tried and true. They've been out for years. They're competition ready. They're backyard ready. They just sell, sell, sell. Do sauces fall underneath those? Yeah, they do. And, and I don't know why. I, I, I have an idea why, but we don't go into big box retail. We're more of the specialty stores. So we'll be in a barbecue store. We typically sell our products in a store that has grills and smokers and accessories, uh, not a retail grocery store. There's tons and tons of sauces in a retail grocery store. And so I think that they've saturated the part of the market there um, for us anyway. And then our sauces do well and we have awesome sauce, but we yep. just don't sell as much volume wise as we do rubs. And, and I think it's because of that retail situation. How many different barbecue sauces are you selling right now? Uh, we got seven right now, wow. five sauces and two glazes. Yeah. And we're, we're probably going to cut back on a sauce or two, but the glazes have been really hot in the last couple of years. When you are going through uh, the the business model here, and we're, maybe yeah. we can do a little inside baseball. For the folks that are looking to get into this, how are you able to cost it out where maybe you're in the middle of a pitch or you've been in one retailer, but now somebody else is going to try and work you a little bit harder. You had a good deal the first time, but this second opportunity is starting to fizzle a little bit. The easy thing is to start lowering the price to get the deal, but now you're cutting into margin. Margin is most important. What are some of the most important things you learned making those first handful of deals to where I'm not going to say it's your way or the highway, but you weren't really going out of your way to sacrifice just to say you got a deal. Yeah. So, uh, the observation is that it's a margin based business. So everything we do is based on margin. Uh, we have a target, you know, gross margin. Uh, we have a target margin for what we want to sell each product for, and we average those things out. So we know what we're trying to hit. And honestly, I have a number in my pocket and I know what my number is and I just don't go below it. Mm. And we're very price competitive um, in terms of retail and we're very price competitive in terms of wholesale. But the other side of that equation, Greg, that's super, super important is the manufacturing side because your cost of goods sold is going to determine what your overall retail price is going to be. And that's going to determine what your wholesale price needs to be. So you have to have a have to have a really good and low cost of goods sold to be competitive these days. And the way we do that is with volume. So I got a number in my pocket. Our margin is X. We don't go below it. I don't care who the retailer is. Um, and we try to level the playing field no matter how big they are. And um, we just stick with it. 
you know, I, I don't go down. Have you ever thought about bumping into uh, Sam's Club or uh, Walmart or something along these lines at some point, or <clears throat> it's just not in the foreseeable future? It's probably not in the cards for me. Um, it, it just really is not something that's, uh, you know, on my dashboard. So I, I really like the specialty retailers. We have an awesome group of specialty retailers. Um, I just don't see bumping up to the big box retail. One of the, one of the challenges, by the way, when you go to, into like a Walmart or maybe you go into Sam's or one of the big grocery store chains is they're going to typically try to shove you through a distributor and, about six years ago, we got rid of our last distributor and we don't do any distribution um, through a typical uh, wholesale distributor. We go wholesale direct to our retailers. For the two years or so of pandemic, if you were in the barbecue game outside of the restaurant portion, it was gangbusters like nobody had ever seen. I assume you guys were part of that big upswing. Uh, I guess the question is, as you're in the midst of it, Aside from going through, we can't get glass jars, we can't get tops or brown sugar, whatever. Yeah. Are you also saying, hey, this is every minute is better than the next minute. This is not going to stay consistent and we somehow have to capture this or the rainy day is coming kind of thing. How did you ride that wave of uh, barbecue mania that a lot of people got caught up in? Yeah, well, we loved it. It was very beneficial for our business. Um, you know, it, we just, hey, can we do it again? <laughs> but uh, but seriously, we just tried to uh, live in the moment. Those days, back in 2020, 2021, we were just trying to make it to the end of every day. You know, it felt like every day we just fell across the finish line, just taking care of customers and getting orders shipped and, you know, meeting the demands and filling our supply chain and doing all the things we had to do, uh, not to mention the whole marketing side and just dealing with the whole COVID deal. Um, it was awesome. So it was a good time to be in the barbecue business. We use that to kind of up our leverage in the industry and um, it's carried over pretty well into 2022. So we're pretty optimistic. Any new products set to hit the market as the year turns? Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the things we're doing is we have a, a program called the Pitmaster series, and we have we dropped a couple of new rubs. Uh, we have a lot of rubs, right? I don't have to tell you that I have like twenty rubs. We're most more or less paring down our rubs mm. to just like our top twelve, and that's what we really focus on. Outside of that, we have a lot of Pitmasters that we call Team Sucklebusters. They help us develop recipes. They're world champions, those type of guys. So we're bringing rubs to market for them. So we dropped two uh, new rubs uh. just recently. Uh, Denny at Chicks at Smoke and um, Darren Williams, who happens to be uh, the Minnesota uh, KCBS state champion uh, and Ash Kick and Barbecue. So we dropped their two rubs this year and uh, been huge success. It's been a lot of fun trying to help someone that you were kind of mentioning earlier, just trying to get into the business. Um, they're partnered with Sucklebusters, and so we can kind of help expedite all that, getting them to market quickly, helping them develop recipes, making sure the branding's right, getting them through distribution quickly. So those two rubs have been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. So if I call you tomorrow and say, hey, I want to bring a Barbecue Central show rub to the market, I can partner with you, and we can make that happen. 1-800. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, all right. All right. yeah that's enough. what we do. We help people bring products to market. Yeah. Um, yeah. When we look at 2023, um, and, you know, during the, the COVID times, when things were just nuts, were you ever approached yeah. to sell? Anybody looking to buy Suckle Busters? There was a lot of business being transacted with people buying people and intellectual property and all that stuff. But what about sauce and stuff? Yeah, we, we had a solid offer on the table um, to sell. For real? Uh, and we just, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's so, into buying uh, you? Are you allowed to talk about that? Was that kissing and telling? I couldn't say who it was. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, I couldn't say, but we had a we had a nice offer on the table. It just wasn't our time to sell. Personally, I didn't want to stop working. So, so was I, the I was the sell number not the uh, the yacht number, if you will? Oh, it was. Yeah. Oh, it just it just wasn't my time to go. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. They, they, there wasn't a opportunity for you to stay on. Like they can make you really rich and you can also stay on and, and do your creative thing. Yeah, there was that opportunity, but you know, if I'm going to stay on, I'm just going to run the whole thing. I'm not going to work for somebody else. So. <laughs> You're not going to be under the suckle busters umbrella without being oh, a yeah. founder CEO, right? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah if we're going to sell, we're going to sell, we're going to move on down the line. And that may be in the cards somewhere down the road, but you know, honestly, I retired from corporate America about five years ago, so I'm I'm basically retired. This is fun stuff for us, and um, you know, it does pay the bills. We love all that stuff too. But you know, um, it's also fun. It's enjoyable, and it's something I love doing. And it's, I don't want to quit working yet, so we're just going to keep rolling it. Uh, Dan Arnold is the founder of Sucklebusters. The website sucklebusters.com. Instagram at sucklebusters. If you haven't tried the rubs and the sauces and all the other good stuff that he's making, certainly hit the website up and order a bunch of stuff. Give it as gifts during the holiday season here. And, of course, follow them on social media to see what they're up to. It's been way too long, Dan. I apologize for having such a gap in our conversations. But thanks to our mutual friends, Len and Jeff, I was uh, sparked up again. And uh, we'll do it again uh, sooner than later for sure next time. Let's do it again. All right, Thanks, Dan. Greg. Have a great Thanksgiving. Take care. And that is Dan Arnold from Sucklebusters. Once again, the website sucklebusters.com or Instagram at Sucklebusters. The Hog Waller Rub is the Balt. So if you're looking for a new pork rub or something else to add to the mix, Hog Waller is bomb. No doubt. I think I might have been one of the first ones to get uh, the the test units of Hogwa. I was like, this is this is a good one. All right, before we wrap it up here this evening, I'll talk to you about Vortic watches. Back in the day, watches were made to be worn in the pocket. After World War II, the wristwatch came into vogue, and the pocket watch quickly became an afterthought finding their way into sock drawers and scrap heaps. Quite simply a tragedy. Enter Vortic Watch Company, helping bridge the gap between America's storied watch manufacturing past, taking it to the present day where wristwatches are finding incredible popularity once again. And here's the coolest part. Each watch that Vortic makes is unique and one of a kind. Vortic founded on the motto that America wasn't assembled, it was built. Check out VorticWatches.com for more info. We are back to wrap the first. Uh, we are back to wrap the show. I've lost here in transitions for some reason. 
on this Tuesday evening, but we'll get it together and get out of here, no doubt about it. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. Hey, that's me. We thank Dan Arnold for joining us last segment from Sucklebusters. Once again, that's Sucklebusters.com. Sauces, rubs at one point. There was chili mixes. Not sure if those got aced off the product's portfolio. There was a peach barbecue sauce that was an absolute killer. Big fan. If you haven't checked them out, make sure you do that. And I think that's going to do it. So we make tracks to get on out of here as we run over a little bit here. The 11 o'clock hour, all the way back in the first hour, we let off with Sterling Smith, Luton Booty's pitmaster, LutonBootyBBQ.com, talking about his win over at the World Food Championships in the barbecue division. He will be taking part in the finals. We don't know when that's going to be, but once we know when that will be, we'll let you know right here on the show, or you can follow him on all of his social media platforms at Loot and Booty BBQ. After Sterling Smith, it was Jess Pryle finally making an appearance, which we appreciated. We talked about turkey. We talked about alternatives to turkey. We talked about side dishes. We talked about trends of 2022, some predictions of 2023. And believe it or not, she is now on a winning streak for the rock and roll game. Tried to trick her with a meatloaf question, and she's like, a meatloaf sucks, and she was right. Then in the second hour, we let off with Susie and Todd Bullock from Hey Grill Hey. A little bit more turkey talk, some new products talk with our turkey brine kit. And we also ended with Woodwind Pro talk from Camp Chef. And then closing out the show this evening, Dan Arnold from Sufflebusters, sufflebusters.com, at Sufflebusters on Instagram. Playing a little catch-up over 10 years or so, what it was like to get in the rub and sauce business back in 2006, and then 16 years later, things that have transpired that have helped him become a better business person, and uh, how he's helping other folks as well. Big show planned for you next week, of course. How do I always leave you? September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host, the proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. Yo, Pod! This is Meat Mitch, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Bomb!